You're listening to the Horses, Hats, and Bourbon podcast. My guest on the podcast this week is Erin Carrico. She represents the Western Waterlands region of Kentucky. Uh, For the podcast series this year, we are exploring all of Kentucky's nine travel regions. That gives you, the traveler, a better idea of what there is out there to explore in each part of the state. Erin is the executive director of the Murray Convention and Visitors Bureau. She grew up in the area, and she is super passionate about tourism and especially this region, right? You can just ask her where to go. Trust me, she will have plenty of ideas. She'll have an entire itinerary planned for you. All right, the Western Waterlands, it's bordered by the Ohio and Mississippi Rivers. It's known for its lake adventures. But as Erin explains, this region has lots of hidden treasures foodie adventures, bustling art scene for arts lovers, and your visit would not be complete without a visit to the Quilt Museum. Erin, full disclosure, the Western Waterlands, (laughs) one of my favorite places to visit as a child, and I recently started taking my son there, like we'll go every Memorial Day weekend, because it is just like a water wonderland. It really, really is, and until you go there, you don't realize all that there is to offer. You have to be so proud kind of representing that region. Uh, I am very proud uh, to actually represent the region. I grew up here. I grew up in Paducah. I know I've lived in Murray for 13 years. There is nothing I enjoy more than representing my region, my community on the state level for the tourism industry. We are unexpected, you nailed it. (laughs) Um, You wouldn't expect some of the little nuggets, just like we talked about earlier, the nuggets of of things that you would find when you come here. And then also you mentioned your son, it is, it's generational. Many of our visitors are generational. They've been coming here for years. They continue to bring their family as families grow and uh, families continue on, they come back repeatedly. Well, let's start with the water sports, the outdoor water adventures first, right? You know, for people that may not be familiar, you're bordered on the Mississippi, Ohio River, western part of the state. You're home to the two largest lakes in the state. Why is it the perfect place to to plan uh, a family outdoor adventure there, you think? So I think it's it's positive. There's positive pieces to all of what we can provide, everything from the lakes to the food, to safety, to the type of accommodations that we have, we can accommodate lots of different types of families and meet whatever needs they have. Aside from that, you mentioned water sports. And what I think is really awesome is we have things that aren't necessarily traditional. We have the boats, we have the sailboats, we have the traditional fishing, but we also have things like stand-up paddle boarding, paddle boarding into the coves of both Lake Barkley and Kentucky Lake. We also have, um, have you ever fished in your kayak? It's a sport, bass fishing from your kayak. Really? Yeah, really, it's a thing. And so there's tournaments that go along with that. So there's things beyond, you don't have to have a $80,000 boat to experience what we have to offer here. And I know that families are probably itching to get out this spring. I know I am. Right. So, you know, when we're here, uh, when this, especially right now when it's cold, especially right now, and finally we got some sun outside, but this is like the planning time. Uh, are you seeing an increase in visitors from neighboring States that are driving over or is it mostly in Kentucky? Where are, are, are you finding are like your audiences, like the prime people to go after? 
So for our Western region, our focus, especially now, our focus shifted quite a bit during COVID, but it's proving to work really well for us. Our primary, we call them our quote, drive markets. We're talking a three to four hour drive distance. So St. Louis, Evansville, Memphis, Knoxville, Nashville is an obvious one. So those are where the majority of our visitors are coming from. We're also seeing some people dipping down. We're seeing some people come up from Arkansas, which is new and that's really exciting. So uh, that is our drive market. So that three to four hour radius is what we're trying to capture. And we do a really good job. Paducah specifically has a huge pull from Chicago. They always have. That has to do with the arts, the food scene, massive amount of visitors. That's a huge market for them as well. Chicago over, over near like Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley is a treasure that when I tell people about land between the lakes, they do not believe me. <laughs> it, it is a, how would you describe it to somebody that's never been there? And why do you think it's so important? It's a protected land space, right? It so it's a national wildlife refuge. It's 146,000 acres and it's all protected. And there's different types of activities within it. You can bike, you can hike. There's also four by four trails for off-roading. There's also horse trails. There's primitive camping. And for those like myself that might be into something, not that, <laughs> a little more glamping. Yeah. We have state parks that balance on either side. We have lodges, we have cabins. There's a planetarium. You can do a trip with your family and stay within our area and experience all of those things. One of the things I love the most about LBL is the um, nature station. Mm -hmm. So they take animals that have been injured by cars or just by natural incidences and they rehabilitate them. They work with those animals. You can see, you can talk. They have educational sessions for school kids, field trips, homeschoolers. They encompass all of that. You can see so many. Uh, have you ever seen a bald eagle up close? I've been to nature station the last time. Yeah. It was my first time there. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like a whole day that we planned just being there from the Pioneer Village to the Bison to uh, to the, the rehab place like that. It was just and then we thought, well, maybe we need to come back tomorrow, too, that it was just you just didn't realize that, that there was so much to do just planning entire day there. Right there. Right. And uh, the planetarium, they actually just put it in a planetarium, too. Yes. They and just, one more thing. They do. So they do educational and entertainment. So in the summer, they do a laser light show that often goes to Pink Floyd music or Queen, um, some kind of oldies hits. And then again, oh, well, with the education pieces too. So there's lots of things. LBL, I think it just goes back to the word you used, unexpected. It's like you're walking in a wilderness. You know, sometimes you read in a book about the vast wilderness, if you're reading the book Wild or something along those lines. You feel that when you're in LBL. There's no cell phone service. There's no gas stations. There's no commercialization whatsoever flanking either side of those lakes. It's odd when you cross that bridge and you go over and you're thinking, there's not a hotel in sight. It is. Not it's a little normal to out There's nothing in it. Think about it that. But for a visitor, it can be pretty intimidating. It can yeah. be intimidating. But it is amazing that just right here in the middle of the United States, there's a place where you can completely unplug yeah. from the modern world. It's pretty cool. And then they have, do they have like kayaking below nature center? So they do. And there's lots of little 
there's lots of little ramps. And like I said, the coves is where you'll find a lot of people doing the stand-up paddleboarding, the kayaking. Uh, the main drag of the water is where you'll see a lot of the traditional water sports. But there are so many nooks and crannies to both of those lakes that you can um, go in and enjoy and learn a new sport. Well, you mentioned Paducah and so many people from like the Midwest, Chicago area, makes total sense for it the does. scene and the art scene. Um, it, it is such a, like a walkable, charming town where I feel like, you know, what, what would you say would be a great day trip to Paducah? <laughs> okay, so uh, since Mary Hammond, the CDB director is not on here, I get to be biased and tell you my favorite places to eat yes. in Paducah. Uh, like I said, I grew up there. Um, <laughs> downtown is wonderful. Uh, that's what you do in the summers as you walk downtown. The flood wall is absolutely breathtaking. So in case you don't know anything about Paducah, I can describe it. It's a river town and it sits on the confluence of the Ohio and the Mississippi River. And it that downtown can flood. There is a flood wall. And in my lifetime, I've probably seen the flood wall gates closed maybe five times in my entire lifetime. It's an event and it takes several days um, but to make the flood wall more attractive, many, many years ago, they began doing these beautiful depictions of Paducah's history. And there's just some really, really beautiful things. And you can walk along the river. There's concerts when it's warm outside. Um, there's restaurants all along that area. And then to a little bit off of downtown is the Lower Town Arts District. And that was started several years ago almost 20, I think at this point, <laughs> 20 plus years ago um, with an arts program where there's artists that moved into historic homes and apartments and rehabilitated them. And um, we're not just talking paintings, it's all types of medium from quilts, which they're known as Quilt City USA, um, everything from quilts all the way to pottery, any type of medium you can think of, um, fiber arts of various various types are in Lower Town that you can go to. So if that is your jam, um, I mentioned that I was gonna talk about my places to eat. There's two places. One is what I call a dive. Um, it is in Midtown, it's not in downtown, it's in Midtown Paducah. It is called Pizza by the Pound. And it is truly, um, your pizza is weighed by the pound oh my word. of um, crust. Oh, my, wow, and, wow. <laughs> Um, they use this honey wheat crust and they've used it for ages and it is truly hidden local place to eat and it is awesome. Um, they're known for their eight pound pizza. That's the big one. Um, my, another, my number one place though to eat in downtown is probably Freight House. Freight House, their chef competed on Top Chef several seasons ago. She came in as runner up. Sarah is an amazing chef. Her mom. I and forgot. Sarah's from there. She oh, is. Yes. 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 Um, so it's delicious. She does a great seasonal menu. And so it's constantly changing, uh, which is really nice. She has a, a very eclectic and specialized bourbon bar that is set up within the restaurant. And my personal favorite is to go and eat her desserts. That's what I like to go for. I go for the desserts. Her and her mom um, concoct beautiful pastries that are just divine. Um, but there are many, many. I could keep going on restaurants alone, but that's just, <laughs> that's just. If you're in Paducah, I just like, I bet the art scene combined with the food scene, when it's warm weather, walkable town, it just must be a live like street scene. Oh yes. It gets very, very busy when it is warm and walkable outside. 
Um, it is extremely busy, but it's so wonderful. You just kind of want to be part of it. Yeah. They shut down the streets in the summer and you can just freely walk through and around and you see visitors, you see locals. Um, it's just a really great vibe that is created in the downtown in the summer that I enjoy. Since you've got me now on the food topic, <laughs> I love planning places. I will visit cities and trips on my way to Keeneland. I know that I want to stop at Wallace Station, right? Of oh, who doesn't want to be at Wallace Station? Right. I'll plan my trips according to what well, got to get to that place to try. So talk to me about Princeton. There's a place there where Bobby Flay orders his hand. Yes, that's correct. And um, it has a long, long, beautiful history. So starting in the 1900s, uh, the Newsom's family started curing. And then later they also have two or three different types of ham, but curing, what are country hams, hickory hams, how you smoke them. Um, and the others are cured in salt and sugar. And they are what are considered artisan hams. This is not the type of ham that you get in your grocery store. Um, actually, their hams are used frequently in the Brown Hotel in downtown Louisville for their hot brown, um, as well as, again, Bobby Flay uses them in their restaurant. I wish I knew the story of how Bobby Flay- I was going to say, how in the world did he come across this? <laughs> I wish I knew. You see the sign and you see the picture um, with Miss Nancy, the ham lady. Um, she is currently running the store and running the ham operation for the Newsom family. She's she's the oldest generation right now. And you see a big old sign with them like standing together, a big picture. And it's just, it's awesome. And they do, they ship their hams literally all over the world. And I said, there's only a certain amount that they make in a time. And there's a certain way that you make them. What's really cool is that you can go into Colonel Newsom's, it's what's called Colonel Newsom's general store. It's right there on the downtown Princeton. And you can walk in and it's like walking into an old timey general store. And there are different types of jams, pickles, relishes, canned that you can pick up and take home that are homemade from this area. You can, the best part is being able to walk back to the deli and you're like, what am I, where am I walking? That's what I was wondering. So they do have a deli where I could like order a couple slices or get a sandwich. Right. And they will make you a sandwich and do not underestimate the deliciousness of white bunny bread with some of that sliced country ham. <laughs> do not underestimate. Um, basic is sometimes delicious. Um, they will make you sandwiches. And that is where everybody local goes in and grabs a sandwich on the way to work. They come in during lunch. They know everyone that walks in. And they're also really welcoming to visitors. They want to share the story. It's a pretty amazing story. They've been mentioned in Bon Appetit magazine as one of the top three country ham locations in the world, along with Broadbent, which is also uh, Katie's Kentucky, just about 30 minutes from Princeton. So um, we know our hams down here. <laughs> we, know, we know how to do ham. It, it, it's an, is it unusual to have a, a woman leading this kind of- It is, it is. And she, she took the reins, I believe somewhere in like the 70s or 80s when Colonel Bill Newsom, her father passed away. So she, she took the reins and she's been going ever since. And it is very much a family operation and it will stay in the family. Definitely to get that kind of national attention. Oh, yes. She's been at Bon Appetit, Southern Living, all of these um, national publications. The Horses, Hats, and Bourbon podcast brought to you by Kentucky Tourism. Horses, bourbon, and the great outdoors. That's Kentucky. Original, majestic, and wide open. This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. 
plan your road trip at KentuckyTourism.com. All right, from there to Hopkinsville. It's Hopkinsville. Hopkinsville is the batter capital of the world. Right, it's batter and then cake batter. Cake batter. <laughs> cake batter. Who would have thought, right? Uh, So Hopkinsville, which is kind of snug right there on the Tennessee line, um, they are near Fort Campbell Army Base. And so they are the number one wheat producer and manufacturer in the state. They have three, three at this point, I think, three flour mills, Um, sunflower flour, you can get in stores across Kentucky. Like I can pick it up in my grocery store here in Murray, in fact, that's the brand I use. So n- locally, you can get flour as a, and they are a Kentucky proud product. Beyond that, the flour from those mills is used in things that you probably have in your pantry right now. Crusty's mm-hmm. brand, like for their cornbread, their biscuit mix, um, red lobster boxed cheddar mix that you can buy. Is theirs. Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, you're a deli brownie is made there as well. Bisquick mix. Um, Oh, Cracker Barrel biscuit mix is also flour made and manufactured from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. What is, what do you think is the secret sauce or the secret batter that all these companies are thinking, I want that. Is it something about the product that is grown right there? I think it's the product that I do in the true bluegrass style. I think it's how the product is grown in our environment here. I was about to say, is there bourbon in it? But <laughs> everything, has a, everything has a touch of bourbon. It's everything all- has a touch of bourbon. Right. Um, but I mean, you mentioned Kentucky Proud, right? We see that yeah. name and we know that that's so. No, that's authentic. That's the real deal. That's correct. Yes. If we zip on over to Marion now, I always like to find, um, if I'm driving and I see uh, Amish set up with a stand, I will hmm. 100% stop because yeah. I know again, with their food products right away, whether it's vegetables or selling jams, anything, it, it is going to be just the best. Mm-hmm. And so, but I did not know that that is, that is home to one of the largest Amish communities. I did not know that. Yes, it is. And so off of that, we have offshoots of that major, major Amish family area. So it is a common place for all of us to see that on a regular basis, but for visitors, it's a really unique site to be, you know, driving along the highway and you see a horse and buggy. Yeah, um, they again are also very open to visitors. Their baked goods are out of this world. Their craftsmen for um, we have a family just outside in the county of Murray that makes handwoven baskets that are just beautiful. They're breathtaking. So yes, we are used to having. Amish families in our community, but it's a really unique experience for a visitor to to have, especially, um, and Marion's got some really cool things going on too. You know, that's one city that I'm not that familiar with is Marion. Small but mighty. Yeah. Small but mighty. Uh, Marion is really a cool little town on top of the Amish. They have this, I know it sounds crazy, but they have a rock museum and it is beautiful. And a lot of the rocks were found in and around our region. Some were found in Southern Illinois Tennessee, all over Kentucky. Some were donated to the museum um, just by different benefactors knowing that they would take care of that. And I'm talking beautiful crystals. I'm not talking just rocks in the gravel, beautiful crystals, huge, huge pieces that you're like, that came from around here. Granite, limestone, all types. And um, they have a sign 
in there where they say, you know, so, so many of our rocks, this one's on display at the Smithsonian at the moment, this one is on display. And so if you go up to the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, you can go through and any of the rocks that you see there, they denote where they came from in the country. And there are for sure, I have pictures of the rocks that are from uh, Marion, Kentucky. They're from Kentucky. Says what, what makes what a rock so special to be featured in the Smithsonian Museum? Is it the size? Is it? It is one of them. Is it has to do with clarity? Some are size and some are clarity. And uh, one of the ones in the Smithsonian, I just remember, it was a geode, and it's a special type of geode that was broken open, and it was just this beautiful purple color. I mean, just breathtaking. It was huge, but it was just so cool to be in D.C. and you see your area mentioned. It's like Kentucky. Mary, like, Mary in Kentucky mentioned. It's huge. That's in the National really Museum of that statue. Yeah. They have they have rocks. They have a whole room where you walk into and you can turn the lights off, mm -hmm. and the rocks are luminescent and they light up, and it's. I don't know. It's not something that you would expect to find when you go through a small Kentucky town. That has to be super cool for, for kids, right? To see something oh, I, like that. I, like, like Mary adults, I love it. Right? Why go to the Smithsonian if you can like see it here in Marion, Kentucky? They're pretty great. They're pretty great. You know, you're, you're touching so much on like the, the rich history of our region. And it just, I feel like people love to, when you're out at a place and you're eating at a great place or you're visiting, you know, a gift shop or, or going to one of the lakes. I always find that people here love to share the history and why they're proud of it. We do right? love to talk about it. They love to talk about, it. like, I feel like, and that makes it just that more special to have that, that personal, like we do that with bourbon. Right, oh, that we know yes. all about the families, but oh, and horses, we do, we horses. do the whole thing. We are we happy the whole family tree. <laughs> right, more than you wanted to know, more than you ever wanted. You know that. what? You'll feel like family by the time you leave. You may even stay. That's right. That's right. And so I love like uh, learning about like I feel like the history on display with the quilt museum. If I can go back up to the the history oh. of that, that oh. I feel like sometimes um, I have like quilts from. My grandmother from my aunt that I that I keep for people that don't understand quilts. It's like a mix of, you know, sure, something that keeps you warm and functional to artwork. Oh, it is. Um, and it's so funny. I, too, have quilts from family, you know, from grandmothers, great grandmothers that are passed along. And I just treasure and love because of the emotions tied up with that. But in the quilt museum, what's truly incredible is they are works of art the intricacy in which these quilts are built and the years put into them. And you can feel that emotion of the artist in the quilt standing before you. And I think a lot of people have a misconception that, oh, that's just where like old ladies go to hang out. You could not be more wrong. Uh, the quilt museum is really breathtaking. It is an art museum. I almost wish they would call it an art museum. And they have different exhibits that happen throughout the year rotating. We're getting ready to ramp up for quilt show, which is kind of the star of the year. Um, but you, you aren't kidding when you talk about that they're absolute works of art. And I'm talking hours upon hours, sometimes years that these quilts, some are hand-sewn. They have different types of categories that things fit into, but some of them are hand-sewn. And they're not just from Kentucky. They're from all over the world, all over the world. Would you believe that one of the biggest um, demographics that comes to the quilt the, the National Quilt Show and the Quilt Museum in April, coming up shortly, um, they are from Asia. That's very big part of their heritage, just like it is ours. It's for the same idea. 
Never so would. All the way over Never. Here. It's very surprising. It's pretty cool. And I feel like with the museum too, just reading up on it uh, ahead of talking to you, being able to preserve not only that craft for future generations, but making it accessible that that even young people are learning it, right? There's workshops and classes in ways that it's not something that we did long, long time ago. It's something that is evolving still. It is. And, and just like you talked about, it's a way of showing your culture and, her- cult- culture and heritage. And that, just like you said, evolves over generations. They have summer camps where you make quilts, which I think is so cool. And any type, any type of child can come in. This is, it's, it's, quilting is inclusive to every type of person. It is a way for them to physically show their heritage, their emotions, and where they came from. I just think that's really awesome. And, and we know that so much of this national attention has been given to Western Kentucky being impacted by tornadoes. Is there any part of your region that you would tell people if they're planning a trip this spring to, to check ahead on? that maybe is still in in a recovery mode. Right, and we did on December 10th, we had um, an absolutely devastating tornado come through Mayfield, Kentucky, through Dawson Springs, close to Princeton area. And it just swept right through. Um, You know, the, the bad comes with the good. And the good part is that all of us, just like we talked about, you talk to us for 30 minutes and we'll make you our family. The same holds true when things go wrong. Um, we kind of band and group together and we make sure that we're all covered. We all have shelter, we all have food and we figure out how to rebuild and move on. Um, that being said, um, right now, as we're talking, um, our state parks, we have a lot of families that lost their homes that are living in our three state parks. I talked earlier about how those flank um, all sides of LBL. So they should be moved into transitional housing soon. But for anyone listening that is, is interested in doing an early spring uh, visit down to this area, I would definitely make sure you have your accommodation set before you arrive. That would be my biggest push. We're very lucky that a majority of the businesses have been able to open back up. We have power. Just those that were directly hit are still struggling. They've got plenty of help and plenty of resources. But a lot of the things I talked on here today are open, still working and still going at this point. I feel like what better way people are always asking, they're asking me still, how can I help? How can I help? Sure. And I'm like, what better way to help than plan a trip to the areas that can the money back in the economy. local economy and help some people that maybe have a local business uh, that need to get back on their feet. Right. So there is still plenty for you to do here safely that is open, that has not been affected by the tornado, but you're exactly right. That money needs to be put back into the economy and we don't need visitors scared um, to come down here because of it. Okay, and just point. talking to you, you love your job so much, right? I you do. You know, what, can you even narrow it to what you love so much about it? Like, what are your favorite parts that you like doing for people or promoting? Uh, my absolute favorite is when we get people that blindly walk into our office that come up from Texas or Arkansas. My office is one of the first places you come in if you drive up from Memphis. We're one of the first cities you get to. My favorite thing is that when they come in and are like, well, you know, we're here for like three days. What should we do? And then I just pull out a long list. Well, you should eat here, 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 and here. You should go up to LBL, but you really need to hit Paducah. And I just love giving them the full picture because you can't just visit one of these small towns. You really need to visit them all. And it's accessible. You take 30, 20, 40 minute drives and you can hit all of them and just get a fantastic Southern experience. And you grew up in Paducah or in Murray? I grew up in Paducah and then I moved to Murray 13 years ago. Haven't left. 
And did you always want to go into tourism or did you know, I I'll be honest. I didn't know what tourism was until the early two thousands. I needed an internship. I went to UK. I needed an internship at home for the summer and Mary Hammond, the director in Paducah called and she said, I need an intern. I didn't know what a CVB was. I had no clue. Um, I quickly learned and it gets in your blood and it never goes away. And so um, this is where I've been for my whole career, last part of college all the way through now. It makes um, a difference though. And, and when you love something, it's easy to promote, right? It, yes, it is. Oh, I could talk passionate about, about it and saying exactly where people should go. We could do a whole one just on food. Like, <laughs> just on food alone. We, we could do a whole set. Anything you are excited uh, that, that's new or, or coming soon this spring or summer that you're like, hey, uh, that you personally maybe are excited about seeing and visiting? I am personally excited due to COVID, the quilt show has not happened for two years and it is an international event and it affects every piece of our area. I have visitors staying in Murray that go to Paducah every day that drive in and it affects everyone from an economic impact standpoint. And we love those quilters. We love those quilters. So we are ramping up for that. We're very thrilled to have them. There's events all the way through Murray ourselves. We have a quilt trail that they can drive through. Each community has their own set of plans on what to do when quilters are near. So that is huge from a tourism standpoint that we can get that event going again. It's a big piece of what we're doing. And finally, where should people go if they want to find out about accommodations or start planning their trip other than you giving out your cell phone? Please don't do that. Sure. <laughs> on, sure. On the Kentucky Tourism, on our state website, each region has their own website with all of our accommodations, all of our restaurants, boutiques listed, as well as events as we get on into summer. So our, everything from our farmer's markets to concerts will be listed as, as we kind of get into warmer weather. But we are the Kentucky Western Waterlands region, and you can find us on KentuckyTourism.com. Well, Erin, you have me so excited to plan my next trip out there, and you've given me so many new places. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm always willing to talk about our area. <laughs> A very special thank you to my guest, Aaron Carrico. If you would like more information or want to get started planning your road trip, just head on over to my show notes. I have you linked up. Have a great week, everybody. Cheers.